21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. So, Will, how has IQ Bar revolutionized the food industry and what insights have you gained from your research into brain nutrition? Yeah, so I think we've changed basically what what we have done, or at least what I'm trying to do, is look at a huge category, in our case, nutrition bars or protein bars, and fundamentally shift it from a focus of brain-centricness, uh, so losing weight, um, digestive health via fiber, things like that, transitioning that into a focus on the body as well as, as the brain. And, you know, adding this functional component to a very large category. So what do I mean by that? Basically, all the things we create um, have in them whole food ingredients that are rich in compounds that are good for your brain for a variety of reasons. When I started, when I was thinking about creating brain food years ago, I literally just in an Excel spreadsheet laid out what are all the, the nutrients that are, there's a lot of research showing they're good for your brain. So things like curcumin, which is a, a turmeric root extract, resveratrol, which is uh, from uh, red grapes, which is good for your brain, um, omega-3s, everyone knows those, flavonoids, vitamin E, all, all of these things that are good for your brain for a variety of reasons. And then I looked at what are the whole foods that are highest in those? So for vitamin E, for example, almonds are, and sunflower seeds are really high in vitamin E. Um, you know, flavonoids, which is a polyphenol, um, which is good for your brain um, for a variety of reasons. You know, cocoa, so chocolate is really high in that. Matcha, uh, tea is really high in that. Um, blueberries and the fruit family is very high in that. So basically, I, I, I looked at all of these whole food ingredients rich in these things that there's a lot of research that are good for your brain. And I said, can I create a product out of that, out of all of these things? And some, some things you can, some things you can't. You know, like curcumin, which is, again, uh, extract from turmeric, it's like bright orange and it's going to make your product taste gross, going to stain your hands orange. It's just not going to work. Um, or a resveratrol grape extract. That's why people sometimes say red wine is good for your heart, your brain, and things like that. Um, that just wasn't going to work because I can't sell a product for ten dollars a serving. Right? So that's not going to work. So you have to you have to marry up the science with commercial realities. And, um, what can I? What can actually make a good product and uh, allow me to sell at a good price point? And from the business development perspective, was that something that you started develop, developing in parallel with your full-time job or was it a startup? Yeah, so I didn't know what I wanted to do out of college. I, work, I worked in software and I was selling uh expensive operations and supply chain software to oil and gas companies. 
Houston is the U.S. you know headquarters for oil and gas, basically. So I was flying back and forth to Houston every week, and uh, I just didn't like it. Uh, I was not passionate about oil and gas. I wasn't all that passionate about you know software, even B two B SaaS software. Um, and so I just got really interested. At that same time, I got really interested in nutrition for personal reasons. It felt terrible on a daily basis. I had a bad diet. Um, I had a standard American diet, so high high in carbs, low in healthy fats. Luckily, at the time, um, the paleo diet really started exploding. Basically, just a whole food diet, less carbs. Um, and so I went on that, and I felt way, way better. And then I read a, a couple books that totally changed my perspective on on diet and got me interested in not just diet, but a business opportunity. Really, the big one was Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter, which basically looked at the intersection of nutrition and cognition and said, okay, you know, people don't really think all that much about what do the things I eat do for my brain? How do they help or avert my brain today? And then also 30, 40 years down the line. So let's say you get Alzheimer's when you're 70. A lot of people tend to think, well, that was, I was genetically predisposed to get that. Maybe my grandmother or my mother, whatever had it. And that's just in my genes. And the reality is some of that is true, but what you eat and drink over the course of your life turns on and off genes, you know, via epi epigenetics, um, such that you're more likely to get Alzheimer's or less likely. And so basically he was connecting the dots between diet and all these bad cognitive outcomes for people. And so for me, that was like light bulb moment. And I thought, this is wild. Like, why are more people not uh, paying attention to this? And does brain food, does a ready-to-eat brain food product exist? Like, how can I create something that, you know, would help help fix this problem for people? And, um, yeah, I had no background in consumer goods. I had no background in food or nutrition. And so I just totally taught myself all of it over the course of about a year. And this is, you to answer your question, I was working full time. So I was doing all this at nights and on weekends for a, a solid year. What was your motivation? I mean, you were, you were active for, for 15, 17, 20 hours a day. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I always wanted to do my own thing. I, I hated having a boss. I wanted to be my own boss. I, I don't operate well under authority. And I've always wanted to create something from nothing. And so I it, this was something I could create. You know, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a, I'm not a programmer. I, I've never been a fan of being a non-technical uh, founder and then relying on someone else's expertise to make something. I want to devise of something and make something myself. 
Um, and then, I don't know, I was a young, you know, I'm still young, I'm 32, but I was 25 at the time and I had no dependents. I wasn't married, I didn't have kids. Um, so I had the time and I figured, you know, there's one window in your life where you just have all that bandwidth. Um, why not take on a project like that? And I hated my job. So if I could sort of invent my way out of that job, that would be pretty cool. And having Kickstarter campaign, you are still your own boss. How do you feel? Well, yeah, that was how we started with the Kickstarter. Um, I, and I did that, I quit my job and did the Kickstarter and that was really a sort of a risky moment. That was when I was diving up headfirst in to entrepreneurship. But basically if that didn't work, I would, I don't know what would have happened. It sort of had to work, but we didn't, the reason we did a Kickstarter was we didn't have any money. And so we had to solve what I call the chicken or egg problem. Basically, well, you're going to need to raise money to run a consumer goods company. But to get a good valuation when you raise that money on your company, you need sales. So how do you solve that problem? Because you need money to create product and then sell the product. Um, but you, you know, but you also, you know, you're going to sell a lot of your company by raising that money without having any of those sales. So Kickstarter is a way to solve that problem. You get pre-sales. So basically you say, hey, I'm, I have this cool product. So you want to pre-buy it. And then you can rack up a bunch of pre-sales. Then you can get that money and then use that money to manufacture the product. So it solves the problem. Um, and it worked well. We sold between Kickstarter and Indiegogo, uh, $90,000 worth of product in our first two months. Then that allowed us to fulfill our first couple thousand orders. And really what that helped us do is prove the concept because then we could turn around and go raise, I think we raised $630,000 after that. And that allowed us to make, make a couple hires um, run some big production runs and some big manufacturing runs, you know, get a website up and running, hire an Amazon agency to help us set up our Amazon presence. There's a whole series of things um, that helped us do. And regarding you as an entrepreneur, uh, back then, what was of help? Uh, some kind of IT structure? Uh, project management uh, methods that that you already had because you were in IT industry and or some books. I I mean that was sort of helpful. Uh, honestly, it, it's quite easy to set up. The barrier to entry is low. The barrier to success is high to set up a e-commerce business. So Shopify is an incredible company, incredible product. I mean, it is quite easy to set up a website and start selling something. What's much, much more difficult is to succeed at selling something. Um, so the setup wasn't all that hard, to be honest with you. And then Amazon is even easier, but even harder to succeed at. Um, so that was never a huge issue for me. The, the biggest issue is 
the division of labor between sales and marketing and operations and supply chain. So I was doing all of it. And the first person I hired uh, took over operations and supply chain, which was huge, you know, ordering ingredients, going to the manufacturer, making sure it's being produced properly, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, that doubled my output. And then, you know, we hired someone who handled social media, um, creating all the design assets we needed. Uh, we just slowly built up from there. There's, let's say, X number of things that need to happen for you to go take the business to the next level of success. You know, you need to you need to set up a supply chain, you need to manufacture, you need to have a selling channel, whether that's your website or Amazon. You need to create social media content, engage with people on social media. There's all there's a whole list of stuff. And then I looked at it as, okay, what can I, what am I really good at? And which of these things are, are best allocation of my time? And by the way, I still have to be able to do any of them. Let's say I, you know, I have to fire, fire someone or someone quits or whatever. I always have to be able to step in. So I have to be semi-proficient at everything. But let's say I am hiring people. What what are the best things they hand off? Um, and then also, what are the most urgent things? Like, what is bursting at the seams? And so, like I said, the first thing was supply chain and operations. But pretty quickly, you know, we needed someone to run our e-commerce business uh, full time because I was focusing on 10 other things, including going into stores, physical stores. Um, and so I actually hired my wife. So she runs our, our whole e-commerce business. Um, and, but yeah, it's just really, it's just learning what is the, what's the bottleneck in terms of getting you to the next level. We, and then just hiring for that or utilizing third parties. I mean, one of the, as we've scaled, we've been able to keep our internal headcount quite low because we've strategically pulled in third parties. Um, so we have third party who helps with email and text message marketing. We have a third party who helps with paid advertising. We have a third party who helps with Amazon management. We have a third party who helps with you know, website development. So by aggregating all these third parties, you can keep your, your core team quite small. And regarding the scaling, how have your products evolved over time? And what, what changes have you made to remain competitive in the market? I mean, that's another thing. You listen, you want to listen to customers, of course, and take feedback. You don't want to listen to every piece of feedback. Uh, but if 30% of people say, hey, this is not sweet enough, you should probably make it a little sweeter. One of the big shifts we had early on was 
it was brain food was our first product. And then a lot of people said, well, it'd be cool if there was more protein. So then we, we thought, okay, will that be additive? Will that, um, make the product better without detracting from the product? If yes, do it. If no, don't do it. We decided yes. So then it morphed into brain plus body. So now, you know, people can consume the product pre or post workout. Um, there's an exercise value proposition there in addition to the cognitive value proposition. So the, the brand is shifted. It, it's never ending. Actually, you're always kind of evolving your, your product set. Um, and, and you're always staying open to, uh, customer feedback. And then there's also cost efficiencies, you know, like when you own your own entire supply chain, especially with supply chains being as complicated as they have been over the last couple of years, you know, with inflation and input costs going up, you, know, you still have to run a business that, that has good financials. So, um, how can you get 20 cents cheaper on your pea protein or how can you get a dollar cheaper on your flaxseed or, or whatever you're always trying to rearrange supply chain so that you improve your gross margin over time and what about the future how do you think the future of brain nutrition will unfold in the next decade i think it's It'll only be, get more popular. I think people are care more and more about what they put in their, you know, how what they put in their body impacts their brain. I think it's already quite big in, in the supplements world. People take pills all the time. There are many popular brain-related supplements and pills. Um, food, it's less popular. Again, that's why, that's the whole reason we exist. But how popular will that get? I think it'll get um more and more popular i think um you know it's it is it's so dependent on form factor candidly i think one of the biggest work we actually moved into the hydration space we have a product called iq mix then we're also moving into coffee and that product will be iq joe so i think drinks um there's a huge opportunity for brain health I mean, they take coffee, right? Most, I think 65% of Americans drink coffee every day. And they associate that with brain function, you know, because you're consuming caffeine, caffeine, the stimulant, stimulants make your brain work better, etc. So I think there's just as much of an opportunity in beverages uh, as it relates to brain function and brain health than, than there is in food. Um, but overall, I think it, I think it gets a lot more popular. And where is Will in five years? Where is IQ, the bar in five years? Are you thinking, are you that kind of entrepreneur that is thinking about exit strategy as well? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, we have a number of investors who expect a return on their money at some point. Um, so yes, I win that, you know, when we would exit, who knows? And any exit would be great, but, um, For now, I mean, our goal is, I think optionality is the biggest thing we want to optimize for. You never want to have to sell, um, but you always want to be able to sell if you can. So it's like, you want to keep, keep growing, but, but don't, 
don't have such a high burn rate where now all of a sudden you have to sell and you're going to get a non-optimal outcome. Build, basically what I'm saying is build a self-sustaining asset that can keep growing steadily. And eventually someone will knock on your door and want to buy you. Um, when that happens, who knows? I mean, it's it's been kind of a crazy M&A market, acquisitions market in, in 2022 um, and also in 2023. So I can't predict what the macroeconomic environment will be, but as long as we focus on keeping our own house in order, I, I think in whenever it is, two, two years, three years, someone will knock on our door. I think about social responsibility as it relates to business and startup business. I think perhaps a little bit differently than a lot of people do. So I, I think, you know, a lot of startups, part of their DNA is uh, we give X amount of profit to this charity or we have th this partnership with this nonprofit and um, all of that's great. I, I think actually the biggest thing business can do and a startup can do is have your product fundamentally improve society in some way. Our entire, the point of our business and the point of our product is to displace unhealthy snacks and beverage items and soon to be coffee um, with healthier options that are good for your brain. Basically, we're taking away things that are bad for your brain and we're replacing them with things that are good for your brain and we're moving and we're selling millions of units of these a year. So basically, we're removing millions of instances of someone doing something in an unhealthy way. For me, create your entire company around helping to solve that social that social issue is the most powerful thing, thing that you can do. Because oftentimes, I mean, as a startup, you're fighting to survive yourself. How much, you know, you, most startups lose money every year. So it's kind of hard to say, I'm going to give XYZ amount of profit to whatever nonprofit. Oftentimes that's just advertising and it's not really creating much impact. What creates huge impact is the actual product or offering you bring to market, fundamentally uh, helping people on a daily basis. To find out more about IQ Bar, uh, go to our website. It's eatiqbar.com, E-A-T-I-Q-B-A-R.com. We're on Amazon. At it IQ Bar is our social media handle on Instagram, on Facebook, TikTok, etc. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Will Nitza, N I T Z E, and I post daily there. Um, but yeah, the website's probably the best best spot to find us. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.